Welcome to Gathering Mana, quick practical steps to nourish your soul. I'm Carter. I'm Scott. And we are entering season three. Season three, we're going to do uh, some different things. Uh, our vision is still the same, though. We are trying to uh, give you quick practical steps, uh, and we're going to do that by uh, digging into theology, digging into uh, scripture, and and finding answers. Uh, our, our aim, though, is going to be a little bit different. Um, usually... Uh, you know, we've, we've had a format, a set way that a set series of things that we're going through. So, so season one, we were looking at, uh, the Lord's prayer and what each part of that meant. Season two, uh, we took time to, uh, walk through, um, the season of Of Advent Advent. and, um, and look at the different aspects of Advent that we can, uh, we can glean from. Uh, but this season, we're going to be talking about relevant uh, issues in our world, relevant topics uh, that need to be uh, talked about. And today, uh, our our topic is going to be anxiety. Scott and I, not experts on anxiety, mm. not expert psychologists, so we called in the big guns. Uh, today, we're going to have a special guest, Dr. John Deloney, uh, who is a uh, doctor of psychology. He's he's written a book. He's got a podcast. He's got all these uh, these great things going for him, and uh, he is going to help us uh, unpack anxiety and talk about how we can faithfully respond to the anxieties in our life. That's right. So we'll see you on the other side. All right. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Dr. John Deloney, uh, author of Redefining Anxiety and uh, the host of the podcast, the Dr. John, D- John Deloney Show. Uh, welcome, John. How are you today? Good, man. Yeah, we, we, if you knew how many hours and professionals it took to come up with the name of that podcast, that radio show, it's embarrassing, man. <laughs> it's the most unoriginal <laughs> title ever, ever. It happened. but it it happened that's the story of my life scott but it happened that's right right. so john tell us tell us a little bit um i guess about your background um obviously you've you've published a book recently redefining anxiety um a little bit about your podcast just a quick tutorial of you who john is and i'm i'm a dad and uh husband and like I got a couple of little dogs. That's that's me in a nutshell. I, I uh, the last uh, almost two decades now, I've I've was a high school teacher, a K twelve teacher, but most of my time has been spent working in higher education, and working with students in student conduct issues, in mental health crisis, and then of course by extension, you're always working with their families as well and your colleagues, and then. When you and I, we all ended up in the same city for a season, I was working at a university working with students, but I was also working with the police department after hours doing crisis response and death notifications and working with folks when the worst of the worst in their life had happened, just sitting with people in some really messy moments. Um, And then recently, about a year ago, I just did a total 90 degree left career turn. I'm still trying to figure out what in the world I did, but... Um, I was working at a university here in Nashville, Tennessee, and met up with Dave Ramsey and his crew, and um, they challenged me to 
go tackle the mental health challenges and relationship challenges of America. And so here we are. So we're figuring out as we go, man, it's a good time. Fantastic. And uh, man, what a, what a perfect time to join in. But, but I feel like you glazed over some of your, uh, your, your history in the world. And uh, could you tell me a little bit more about uh, a little bit about your musical career before, before all this uh, relationship? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Here's here's what I'll tell you. Um, I'm not very good. I used, I spent most, so my brother went to college on a cello scholarship. He sat in a room and he did this weird thing called practice. He would just practice all the time. I would stand in front of a mirror and try to figure out the coolest ways I could look in trying to play a certain thing. I didn't care about how good it was. I wanted to look really cool while doing it. And clearly he still plays music. Um, I'm, (laughs) I'm a podcast. So (laughs) I feel like you just like defined every, you know, 10 to 12 year old boy. Like, yeah, the problem in front of your was I was like trying 22. To, trying to cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This wasn't too long ago. Yeah, just kick me while I'm down. Thanks, man. No, I was like 19 <laughs> and uh, I was in front of a mirror trying to look awesome. Yeah. Like, I know I can play the, this lick this way. I can play the solo, but I need to look like this. And clearly, that didn't work out. When I met real writers and real musicians, I was like, oh, y'all write songs? That's ridiculous. It doesn't matter what you sound like. What do you look like, man? So, yeah. Now I got a podcast, man. That's how it worked out for me. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So uh, so the book is titled Redefining Anxiety. Uh, so talk, talk a little bit about that. What, what do we get wrong? Man, what do we whenever we're thinking about anxiety? What are some of the things that are going on in our heads where we're we're just like as a society, as people, as culture, like what do we get wrong about anxiety and and how does it need to be defined? Man, that's that's got 50 or 60 different answers to that question because there's the society <laughs> part and the family part and the people part. Um at the end of the day, we have pathologized, we have demonized or made the enemy any sort of discomfort in our society. And so we have made being uncomfortable a disease. And then we've offered all these different solutions to try to solve the problem of discomfort. The challenge with that is discomfort is where you grow, right? When you lift weights, you're, you're actually breaking your body down so it can grow itself back stronger. When you run, you are making yourself uncomfortable so that, right? You eat things that are, do not taste the best, right? Twinkies and Twizzlers and gummy candies taste incredible and they'll kill you, right? So you, life is about uncomfortable discomfort, right? Fractals is the nerd part. Um, and so fast forward to anxiety. Man, anxiety, all it is is just an alarm telling you that things in your life are off kilter. Things in your life, your relationships are off center, your in a situation that you don't have any control over, right? You're in a disadvantaged situation or you're not safe. That's all anxiety is. It's just letting you know, hey, you're not okay. And we've made anxiety the problem. And Mm -hmm. the challenge with that is, so the analogy I use is your house is on fire, your yard is on fire, and you've got you and a counselor and some pastor who's not been trained and like a buddy who's an idiot. And you're all on like a ladder trying to figure out how to take the batteries out of the smoke detector because it's so loud. (laughs) right? Mm. Instead of putting a fire out of your house, you're all like, man, it sure is loud. If we could just turn this thing off, we'll all be okay. And so people get anxiety and we medicate it. I've been there for a season. Sometimes that's a good thing, right? But we tell people to take a warm bath and to write poetry and to light a candle 
and to fight anxiety instead of dealing with, man, your relationships are a mess. You owe too much money. You're in a job that you hate. You're in all these other things are going on. There's systemic, you know, all sorts of systemic issues going on for poverty and racism, all these other things. We don't want to deal with those issues. We just got to get that alarm off. Right. So in that book, it's a really thin, quick book. It's just kind of pulled a thread on man. Anxiety is not the problem. Anxiety is a telling you that you've got a bunch of challenges in your life. Yeah. That's awesome. good. That's actually really like in thinking about anxiety, I know I've actually placed it a lot of times in my life more central uh, to who I was. Well, I'm just an anxious person. I'm just, I'm a worry war, I'm, you know? And so it's good to like break that out from the center of who you are and just kind of define it for, for what it is. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Taking that, taking that time to know yourself outside of your anxiety is so important and, uh, and know your relationships, um, um, your relationships that might cause some anxiety, but, uh, but find, find your identity, um, not in your anxiety. I think you hit on that in the book, uh, but, but finding it in your relationships and in, um, and, and there's a gentleness with, yeah. instead of identifying yourself, Hey, I'm just an anxious person, just being curious about, man, why are my alarms always going off? Right. Am I in a situation where I'm in an abusive situation? Am I, Am I, do I have to make some major changes because I'm not disciplined right? Or am I a jerk to my wife? Am I fill in the blank? Um, or are people a jerk to me and I've got to deal with that? I'm not going to be able to go to this school. I need to move because of like whatever those things are, instead of just owning that identity, man, just ask yourself, hey, what's that alarm trying to tell me? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, uh, so uh, here's another question for you. Uh, what, what effect does faith uh, have on this? this this better, um, better definition of anxiety. What, what effect does faith have? Um, Man, that's loaded, dude. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? Yeah. I thought this was a softball uh, <laughs> podcast, man. Y'all getting all deep. Um, man, I think, I think faith is a chat. It's an existential challenge and it's a practical challenge at the same time. And so, um, man, if you are not grounded or you are not in control, or you think you are have a fractured relationship, your alarms go off. Mm. And so if your faith is built in a God that's angry at you all the time, or is just waiting to catch you doing something so he can send you to hell, mm. man, think of the existential trauma. We, dude, I was just thinking of this the other day. We're in the middle of writing a big book, and I was driving home, and I was thinking about my understanding of faith as a kid. Get this, <laughs> get this impact on a 10-year-old, right? Um, and feel free to edit this out if this is too much for your show, but I was driving <laughs> home and I was like, as a 10 year old, you know, what was in my head. It was that God so loved his son, but you Deloney, you said bad words at the playground. Mm -hmm. So ah, I had to murder my child cause of you. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, I had to murder him. And if you do it again, I'm going to have to destroy you for all of eternity. And to think about the existential trauma that would put on a 10 year old, I tell parents all the time, stop making your 10 year old, like keep you guys happy. Mm. Well, man, the way we wrap faith sometimes around with young people, especially, and then you get as older you get and go away. So all I have to say is, man, there's a lot of existential faith trauma there with that relationship part. And then there's the, the connection part to a faith community. If I feel like I'm having to earn my way into this community, if I feel like, they're not going to love me because the way I look, the way I dress, the way I smell, how much money I do or don't have, 
man, I'm never going to fully be able to be comfortable in this place. Yeah. And my alarms are going to go off every time I show up. Every yeah. time I'm around this community, I'm not going to feel settled. And when you're settled, then you can get into the real part of being connected, which is the thing that heals us, right? Yeah. And so, man, I think faith and anxiety are interconnected mainly because we don't do a good job of letting people live faith. We put a bunch of parameters on that relationship to which point, man, then that sets off every alarm we have. Yeah, that's good. That's an excellent answer. That reminds me of like when I was a kid, um, one of the, the struggles I had, one of those anxiety moments was if speaking of cursing, like if I was in a car and I was driving down the road and if I before had, if I had stepped before had stepped in that car, spoken a bad word or something and then the car was about to get into a car wreck and i was about to die and if i didn't say god please forgive me before i died then <laughs> going to hell going to hell and that that scared the living daylights out of me um and it, it gave me a lot of anxiety to the point where i thought i had to like build up this well really a facade um of how good i was and it was all works righteousness mm. um versus actually the the truth of the gospel which is grace mercy redemption and all those elements and so it's like um, come grab something to eat and sit at the table man not it's the yeah. exact opposite <laughs> yeah and what's so crazy I don't know if you guys experienced this, but there's now that I'm older and I've spent time having friends in other faith communities and actually going back and not uh, like, so one of the big challenges in the influencer space is you get really busy. And instead of me talking to actual, you know, people who are struggling, you start spending your days talking to people who talk to people who are struggling. Right. So in the same thing with your faith journey, instead of, actually reading it for yourself. You read a book by somebody who read it and you listen to somebody else who's listening to somebody else, or you, you talk to somebody who talks to people, right? So I don't know if y'all experience this, man, but it's been a season the last five or six years where I think, are we reading the same book? Like, what are you talking about? Right? Yeah. So it's, 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 and then it's me having to be graceful on the, on the return too, right? right. Um, always remembering that I'm humble and trying to figure this out as I go as well. Right. Yeah. Right. That's good. <laughs> so talking a little bit more about the, the faith element of this in scripture. Um, so I, I went to Matthew chapter six, where Jesus starts talking about worrying and he talks about, do not worry. You know, if you know that section of the sermon on the Mount, great section. Um, so I started looking up that word cause I'm, I guess a nerd, and uh, started going to the Greek and everything, and it, it means uh, anxious, distracted, or to care for. And I was like, I think that's really interesting. And so I started really looking at this idea that there are negative types of anxiety based on that word, um, where, like, properly, I wrote it down, uh, this type of anxiety, this negative anxiety can really be... Um, translated divided into parts or to go into pieces or to be pulled apart. And then there's this positive type of anxiety as well that it's defined uh, directly like effectively distributing concern in proper relation to the whole picture. So you have these like two different types of definitions from the same word. You go to one section of scripture and this word is used and it's used in a negative context. You go to another set of scripture, Philippians 2, 20, 1 Corinthians 12, 25, and that same word is used, but it's used as a like concern. Like for. his concern for you is, is 
is you know leading him to do good things or, or care deeply about your community. Yeah. So yeah. based on that, um, maybe maybe help us process that a little bit. Is there such a thing as then like positive anxiety and negative anxiety? Anxiety. What is the difference? What just kind of process that for so us? So there's a big difference between stress and anxiety, and there's good stress and bad stress, right? And good stress is, hey, you got a test tomorrow, you should study, right? Or you got a paper due in two months, it leads you to better things. It's the stress you put on your body when exercising. It's the stress you feel when you and your wife are out of sync and you need to sit down and have a hard conversation, right? Those are all good things. Chronic stress over time destroys the body from the inside out. There's a physiological consequence to that, right? Whether you're lonely, whether you are constantly on call 24-7, 365, you've heard of burnout. Pastors experience this a lot. Um, but there, stress can be negative too, too much of it, right? Working out every single day for a year without taking a break, your body's going to break down. It's going to quit on you, right? And so I think we're in a season right now where we call everything, every feeling we have is depression or anxiety, depression or anxiety. If I'm stressed, I got anxiety. If I'm sad, I'm depressed. I can't tell you how many college students over the years came in my office and said, hey, man, my dad just moved out. My mom or my granddad, my 90-year-old granddad passed away. I've got depression. I'd say, no, you don't, man. You're sad. And you're supposed to be sad, right? Or I've got four tests next week. I've got anxiety so bad. I was like, man, no, you don't. You are really stressed because this is a hard season. And hey, you're about to be a lawyer. I want this to be really hard because one day I'm going to die and my wife is going to come with our will and she's going to be weeping and she's going to call you. And I want you to be really good at this. And so I hope law school is hard. I hope nursing school is hard, right? And so that stress is good. Um, we just pathologize that discomfort. I, th I think another important thing when we get to worry, we often, you've heard of ruminating, right? When you just get those looping thoughts over and over, mm. man, there is a, 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 a I don't want to use spiritual language here, but it's, it's, there's a, um, a, a heaviness to that rumination because we think we are thinking about important things and we're not. We're having conversations in our head that we think we're going to have. We're never going to have these. Like, I'm just going to tell my father-in-law that you're never going to tell him that. Or I'm just going to tell my boss I'm going to – you're not ever going to say those words ever, right? Or you're just thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking, but it's about work or it's about your faith or it's about your marriage. It's not getting you anywhere. And this central passage in the, in the Sermon on the Mount always pulls me back to this obsession, this pathology with control. And it's pretty clear, man, you control nothing, hmm. nothing. At the very least, you control your um, attitude, right? Yeah. But it's going to rain on wealthy people and poor people and good people and bad people. Mm -hmm. And you don't even get to decide what color your hair is or if it's going to be curly or straight. Get over it. Move on with your life. And it's that sense of you own so little. And if we had another hour on this podcast, we could talk about the last 200 years We've just become obsessed with the bell curve. How can we norm things and predict things? Hmm. Our stock markets love predictions. Our insurance company love predictions. There's an extraordinary author, Nassim Taleb, who writes, he wrote The Black Swan. He wrote Anti-Fragile. The only things that matter in our lives are things that happen outside those bell curves, right? When you walk into a room and you see her and everything's different. Or that time there's an earthquake. Or that time, I don't know, like 
when the state of Texas froze to death, right? right? And it just yeah. shut down, right? Yeah. Now things are going to be different. There's going to be a before and after this moment or 9-11 yeah. or whatever those things are. And so we get so obsessed with control and prediction. And that, that scripture to me is saying, that is a waste of your life. You're not going to add a second to your life by thinking you can predict or ruminating or worrying. Dude, just ask for what you need and then go about your day and love people, man. But yeah. that doesn't mean don't buy insurance. No, for sure. Get insurance, <laughs> man. Yeah. For sure. Dave, Dave Ramsey 101, I think, right. right? There you go. Insurance guys, Xander there Insurance. <laughs> Put the plug out. Well, so, okay. So there's this idea, again, anxiety. And then again, I'm, go- I'm going back to scripture here, but then you have this other word that seems on the, the opposite side. Instead of being pulled apart, as, as worry and everything would dictate, um, there's this other word that's more about um, being pulled together and a wholesomeness, um, and it's that word peace. And so Jesus, he, he dies, he gets resurrected, he visits his disciples, they're freaking out. Because they just know, oh, man, I just left this dude. I just ditched this guy. I, I betrayed him, basically, with my actions. And the first word he says to him is peace. And we did a whole episode on this about peace. Um, and so we're not going to get too much into that. But just that that feeling of, of, of the pieces in your life really just being picked back up, being mm-hmm. put back together by the hands of the Lord. And so you have anxiety. You have peace. So speak about peace a little bit. Um, what is that to you? And I guess just, just go into what... Um, where you found peace maybe in your life man peace is the opposite i mean peace is swimming upstream culturally um i think there is no more countercultural m- movement than towards a good night's sleep towards mm-hmm. laughter towards being able to lean back in your chair with the pe- group of people that are different than you around a table and you're not impressing anybody you're just you just are right mm-hmm. um we are so obsessed with what's next. What's like, like how many times have y'all two been asked, like, are y'all going to move to a bigger church into a new church or when's the raise coming? Or are you guys going to do this? Y'all going to get a master's degree? When are you going to get your doctorate degree? And what's the, ne- how many kids are you going to have two kids? When's your next kid? Can everything's about what's after yeah. we have no sense of I'm good. Now I'm good. Doesn't not mean I don't want to be a leader someday. It doesn't mean I don't want to make a million dollars someday. But it's an ethos of when I put my head down on my pillow, I just go to sleep, man, because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not worried about what tomorrow's going to be because I'm grounded in these moments. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have, I mean, Dave Ramsey has built an entire career off. Dude, just chill out and put some money in the bank. And yeah. then when you get fired, it's annoying. It doesn't, you're not going to starve, right? That's right. Or when your wife gets cancer, you can take a year off of work and, and be with her in her last moments because right that's peace man it's not yeah. that bad things aren't going to happen to you it's that you've got this foundation of people you got this foundation of of whew. so for me honestly or peace i really found it um sitting next to people doing crisis stuff i was i was a bad i had anxiety bad for for several years man and it, it was just my body overload there is a point when that alarm breaks and it's just like the, the switch doesn't work anymore. And it's just ringing all the time. And man, sitting next to people whose child was dead in the next room mm-hmm. or their husband was dead in the next room or their wife was dead in the next room. And they look at you in the eye and they say, what do I do now? And there is no answer to that question. There's nothing you can say to fix that or to be like, well, what you should do, right? You just have a presence there. And there was something about 
my intellect doesn't help me. I've got two PhDs. That doesn't help you in those moments, right? Mm-hmm. My, how many grad school classes, how many, how many, you know, arguments I'd want. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is I'm here and I'm just going to sit here with you. And suddenly the, the old stories of Jesus at the well, he didn't go there and start lecturing at her about her behavior. He broke social convention. He showed up in a place he was told you're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then he said, Hey, here's something for you. Here's a water. And then it was, Hey, I see you. I need you to know that I see you. And then it was, Hey, you've, you're, you're better than that. Right. In that order. And that's a, we get that out of whack. Right. So peace for me, honestly, was being sitting in with person after person, after person, after person, where there's nothing to say, there's nothing to be. And suddenly just my presence had value. And then suddenly I start showing up with my kids. I quit trying to lecture them every time I see them or my wife, when she comes and says, Hey, I'm struggling. It's not my response as a husband was like, well, you know, if you just told your butt, just shut up Deloney and just sit here. Right. And just say that really stinks. And I hate that for you. Let's just sit here. And then she would, (laughs) she's, my wife's brilliant, smart. She didn't need my advice. She needed my presence. Right. And it was just this whole orientation towards peace. Right. And then I started sleeping better and I stopped fighting everything and trying to be right all the time. And instead of being right, started being with, right. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. That's so powerful. Um, you know, Peter Stanky and, you know, Murray Bowen and, you know, these big names in psychology, that's, that's kind of this running theme um, throughout some of their work is that non-anxious presence that's able to be there and how powerful it is to be someone that's not adding anxiety into the emotional system um, and also being able to redistribute ang- anxiety to where it's supposed to be hmm. within the system. Um, uh, uh, the guy who trained me in the crisis response, y'all, y'all probably know Dr. Andy Young, but yeah. one of his common um, refrains was calm is contagious. If I show up to a scene where somebody's about to commit suicide or somebody's about to be in a tough situation or something bad has just happened, and I bring this to it, I make everything worse, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I've got to bring a smile or a heavy presence, a solid foundation presence, which which just changes the whole energy of every situation you run into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's I think a lot of times we we we. We might know that entering entering the extreme crisis situations, but we don't we don't do it so good sometimes in the everyday crisis situation or the everyday slog. Yeah. Can I tell you a magic moment for me? Yeah, absolutely. Was this the, it, and you're right, when, man. When you're going into a house and you know that someone has passed away and their loved ones there, yeah, man, you get your body gets amped up and you get all the right adrenaline and corticochemicals. You're ready to party, right? Um, no, that sounded bad. You're ready to fight. You're ready to not party. That's bad insider lingo. You're ready to go do a good job and serve yeah, people. That's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's harder when it's a Tuesday afternoon and your kids are yelling and your wife is frustrated with you, right? Yeah. So this one magic movement from judgment to curiosity has changed so much about my life and my marriage and my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my friends. Mm-hmm. Instead of entering a situation looking for what is right about this, what is wrong, what are you doing that you could be doing? In counseling, you never ask the question, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. That's a judgment question. You always ask, hey, tell me about that. Tell me about, tell me about what was it about this other person that made you consider leaving your family for them, right? Tell me about that. Not why did you do that, right? So it's moving from judgment to curiosity. So getting home instead of being, yeah. hey, kids, why are y'all yelling? It's, hey, tell me about what's so exciting in here, man. Mm-hmm. And that changes 
everything. When my yeah. wife says, hey, why didn't you do the dishes while I was gone? Versus, hey, tell me about, well, you must have been so busy on a Saturday. Like you weren't even able to help at all. And I'll be, then I can say, cause I was being completely lazy and I'm sorry. Or I could say, hey, I was dealing with a situation. And, and does that make sense? It's just yeah. changing our yeah. orientation yeah. from judging it to being curious about it. That's yeah. good. <laughs> That's great advice actually. <laughs> All right. So, um, man, through this, uh, what are some of the, um, the things that, that anxiety causes in us that, that, uh, that put up blockers, you know? So like, um, something that I notice is on, on the internet, man, ah, oh, the internet, the internet's such a bad place to communicate. Um, cause I feel like everybody's anxious, right? Um, and everybody's, you know, living out of that, you know, it's almost like they're not using the right part of their brain to communicate right now. Um, what are some of the ways that, that you see anxiety trapping people? Um, and how, how, what are some ways that we can, we can try to avoid those traps? So when your fight or flight kicks in, when your amygdala sends the signals, amygdala among other parts of your brain, that it's going down. I see a bear. It literally, your brain takes your frontal lobe, the part of your thinking brain, your rational brain, it takes it offline. Hmm. It, it literally unplugs it because think 10,000 years ago, and you may have heard this analogy. If you wake up in your cave and there's a bear in the front of that cave, your brain doesn't want you going through. I wonder if that's a nice bear. I wonder <laughs> if that's a, one of those hugging bears. Um, I wonder if that bear is just looking for acorns and not for people. It just wants you to run right? Just run. So it actually takes off the question asking part of your brain and says, go. And it will, it does a subtle shift from close enough to fact, right? That's how a kid holding a cell phone or a toy gun gets shot in a big city. Yeah. Because when that moment is engaged, that, that person's brain may shift to close enough right? I'm not going to do any checking it out. I'm going to respond, right? And so one of the things we used to do this, it was a movement we would do this in um, when I was with my crisis partner, just moving my finger from the front of my, from the back of my head to the front of my head. And we would do things with someone who was experiencing crisis, right? Their child just took their own life. Someone just passed away. And we would try to get them into your safe right now, or you just experienced a shooting and it wasn't safe your body went to fight or flight, you're okay now. And some th simple things are counting ceiling tiles, counting floor tiles, going outside and taking deep breaths. I'm in a safe place right now. I wanna listen to the air conditioner. So there's something about bringing, I hate to use computer metaphors because they, they aren't very good, but there's something about bringing your brain back online, your frontal lobe. Yeah. I wasn't safe, I'm safe now, right? And some of that is in our relationships, like. Man, if you've had a girlfriend that treated you really ugly, or if you had a first wife who was super abusive, you sometimes have to go through a process and say, my current wife's not her, right? I've got to bring myself to right now. I'm safe now, right? You're not my mom yelling mean things to me when I was a kid. You're not my dad who was abusive to me. You're my husband. I love you. You're safe. Now we're here. So you have to give yourself some space and it gets, the more you practice it, you get quicker and quicker and quicker at it. Yeah. Um, and in fact, now, if you're a good long-term crisis person, you end up having it in reverse. When things get bananas, you get real calm and clear. And then when you get home, your brain's like, what was that? <laughs> right. Can we just, yeah. you know, and then it processes it in, in the right order. But that, those are some quick tips on just how to stop and pause. 
That's good. Man, yeah, we need that. We need that in the in the age of uh, of information bias and um, you know these ways that we uh, are constantly you know we see what we want to see. We don't we don't look for facts anymore. Everything's emotionalized and and uh, to to get out of that headspace to to calm down to breathe and to process things properly. Um, and then to ask yourself, why are you speaking? Yeah. Like, yeah. Are you speaking to be heard or are you speaking so you can tell people you said something? Mm -hmm. That The problem with social media is it's a, it's a signal, right? I can put out to the world, look what I said. That doesn't help, right? right? If When people are frustrated with something I say on my show and they comment down in the chat section, that's not helpful. Some mm -hmm. of them will email me directly and say, hey, will you clarify that? Because I didn't quite hear what you said. That's super helpful, man. And I love to engage folks there because they're actually want to know so we can grow and learn. They're not just trying to fight. Remember in middle school, right? There was somebody who would catch you by yourself behind the school. Uh, we're fighting. I'm not, no one's going to watch. This is for me, right? That's different than the middle school kid who shoves the other kid in a crowded room, knowing a teacher's going to come break it up just so people think he's tough. Mm -hmm. There's, those are two different things, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, uh, John, it's probably podcast. a terrible analogy for y'all's show. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> that's good. Um, so on the show, uh, we love to give quick practical steps. So um, if you're going to tell someone, a faithful Christian who's you know listening to this, a, a person who uh, who's trying to to wrestle through some of these things, if you could give them something to do for five minutes today, just say, hey. Do this for five. If you're dealing with anxiety, if you're wrestling through through stress and 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 processing it improperly, like this is what you can do for five minutes to, uh, you know, put you on a better path for for at least for today. Yeah. Uh, what what would it be? So what what would be a cr a quick practical step uh, to give people? A quick practical step would be identify that alarm as it's coming online. Right. Identify what it is. Ask yourself what is like what's happening here that's setting this alarm off. And it, I, I talk about this in the book, the only true cure on planet earth for anxiety is other people mm. and have somebody that you can call. And we're in the hotline era, right? Because we don't have friends anymore. I think, I think the last stat I read was three out of four Americans. If in a time of crisis have zero people to call. And so we actually wow. have had industries pop up like, hotlines and I, I can't yeah. tell you how many people call on my show and they ask me this hard question and I just say, why are you calling me, man? I'm just a dude on the radio yeah. and they'll tell you, I got nobody. Right. So, yeah. um, stop and I, and hear the alarms, listen to them and then ask yourself, what are they trying to tell you? Are you not safe? Are you disconnected? And then man, reach out and call a person. And if you don't have somebody to call in seasons, when you don't have anxiety, do the hard work of cultivating those things. Keep showing up, find people, develop friendships, develop connections, because yeah. that's your emergency fund for life, man. Things are going to come up. You got to have people in your, in your circle that you can call. Yeah. Wow. That's good. That's good. All right. So you got your, your quick practical step, guys. Go out there and, you know, you've got a, a telephone line to your ear. You've got, you know, a can on your, on your face, and it's saying, it's saying, hey, anxiety's here. You know, grab the line and start walking with it. Go find out where that sound's coming from. You know, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fire in the house. Follow the smoke to find the fire and put it out. Um, that's the, that's your, your, your five minutes today, your quick practical step. That's right. Um, man. That's awesome. John, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing your wisdom with us and uh, sharing, sharing your time with us today. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are awesome, man. I appreciate y'all uh, 
appreciate y'all putting kindness and goodness out in the world and helping people think through challenges, man. That's awesome. Uh, thank you for joining us today on Gathering Mana. We hope you gathered something um, of real use, some tools from John's talk. We also wanted to, to point you to some, a few places. Obviously, if you're looking to research a little bit more on anxiety, go ahead and pick up John's book, Redefining Anxiety. It's I think Carter, so short. Yeah. It took me like 45 minutes to read the whole thing. Done. And, and it, was, it was a great experience, and I, I learned a lot about Myself and anxiety through it all. Yeah, right. Good. And I think it's just such a good topic to, to really explore during this day and age. Um, also, John, of course, he has his podcast, The Dr. John Deloney Show. Um, it's through Dave Ramsey Solutions. He's one of Dave Ramsey's personalities. And so check him out. Um, he's constantly uploading podcasts, I think, almost daily. And so there's plenty of content where he's helping other people out. Um, great resource for you there as well. Yeah. So this has been Gathering Mana. And remember, get outside your tent today. This has been Gathering Mana. For more content like today's episode, like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For content on the go, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or drop a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. And we hope that you'll be mobilized to get outside of your tent today.